Hey, y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. The day was March 6, 1905. It was day one of the trial of Cassie Chadwick, a career con artist whose most lucrative act was posing as an heiress to swindle banks out of millions of dollars. Cassie had been pretending to be the illegitimate daughter of Andrew Carnegie, a Scottish-American steel tycoon and philanthropist. Cassie forged notes with Carnegie's name, and from there, she was able to obtain documents validating claims that she was entitled to millions of dollars. Because she had this proof she was worth millions, she was able to get huge loans from banks. She used the money she amassed from this scheme to fund a lavish lifestyle. But after years of defrauding people, Cassie was caught when a Massachusetts banker discovered her debt and sued her. As convoluted and unbelievable as all of this sounds, the full story of Cassie Chatwick's fraudulent life is even more incredible. Cassie was born Elizabeth Bigley in Ontario, Canada. But Cassie had to have many names over the course of her life to keep up her cons. She was also known as Madame Lydia Devere, Lydia Springsteen, and Madame Marie LaRose at times. So I'll keep it simple and call her Cassie Chadwick from here on out. Cassie was already sharpening her con artist knife by the time she was a teenager. When she was 14 years old, Cassie opened a bank account under the guise that she was getting money from an uncle in England, and she started writing bad checks. At that tender age, Cassie was arrested for forgery, though she was soon released. And when she was 22, Cassie again pretended to be an heiress, this time rounding out her story with fake calling cards and fancy letterhead. Apparently not at all scared by her arrest, she took her con a step further by writing fraudulent checks for more than the purchase amounts of things she was buying and getting cash back from the shopkeepers. Cassie moved on to a scheme of a more ambitious sort when she took on the role of a psychic and started up a fortune-telling business. By this time, Cassie was married to a man named Dr. Wallace Springsteen and living in Ohio. But not long after the couple married in 1882, Cassie was exposed as a scammer, and they split. The story continued pretty much in this fashion. Cassie continued to pose as a psychic, got married again, got divorced again, forged and cashed more promissory notes, got locked up for fraud, and opened a brothel. And along the way, she had a child named Emile. But the chapter of Cassie's scam written in life that brings us to her final trial is the one that starts in the spring of 1902. Cassie was married to Leroy Chadwick, a wealthy man with important connections. Leroy and Cassie were on a trip to New York when Cassie managed to convince a lawyer and friend named James Dillon to escort her to her father's house. Well, her father's house turned out to be that of Andrew Carnegie. Cassie went into the mansion, spoke with the housekeeper for a little less than 30 minutes, 
and came back out to Dylan with the $2 million promissory note signed by Carnegie. She told Dylan that she was Carnegie's illegitimate child and that Carnegie had been giving her money for a while. She was even set to inherit millions when Carnegie died, she told Dylan. And she urged him not to tell anyone, knowing that he would, lending credibility to her made-up tale. From this lie, the con was built. Cassie started using forged documents supposedly signed by Carnegie to get banks to let her borrow millions of dollars. But the card pyramid fell when a suspicious banker named Herbert Newton revealed her scam and incited an investigation. Cassie was arrested yet again, this time in New York City, wearing a money belt filled with $100,000. News of Cassie's case blew up in Ohio. Her cons had even caused the Citizens National Bank of Oberlin, Ohio, to declare bankruptcy after they had loaned her $800,000. Along with Cassie, bank president Charles Beckwith and cashier A.B. Speer, who worked at the Oberlin Bank, were also accused of conspiracy. Charles Beckwith died before he could go to trial, and Speer was sentenced to seven years in prison. But Cassie's trial was the talk of the town. Andrew Carnegie attended the trial, which started on March 6, 1905. At the end of her trial, Cassie pleaded not guilty and said she had never pretended that Carnegie was her father. But she was found guilty of conspiracy to bankrupt the Citizens National Bank and conspiracy against the government, fined $70,000, and sentenced to 14 years in prison. Cassie died in prison in Columbus, Ohio, in 1907. But over the course of her life, Cassie had managed to use her charm and cleverness to deceive countless people. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to learn more about Cassie Chadwick, listen to the episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class called The Daring Imposter Cassie Chadwick. If you haven't gotten your fill of history after listening to today's episode, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TDIHC Podcast. Thanks for joining me on this trip through history. See you here, same place, tomorrow. Hey, y'all, I'm Eves. And you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast for people interested in the big and small moments in history. The day was March 6th, 1869. Russian chemist Dmitry Mendeleev presented the first periodic table. The periodic table is an arrangement of the chemical elements ordered based on their properties. People have known about the elements such as copper, silver, and mercury since ancient times, but modern discoveries of elements began to ramp up in the 18th century. Scientists began identifying elements such as hydrogen, oxygen, and titanium. But communication and labeling regarding these elements was not uniform. That said, scientists were beginning to recognize relationships between the elements by the early 19th century. 
1817, German chemist Johann Dubereiner noticed that the atomic weight of strontium fell midway between the weights of calcium and barium. Atomic weight is the mass of one atom of an element. Just over a decade later, he realized that other triads existed, such as the halogen triad of chlorine, bromine, and iodine. Other scientists later added to this existing knowledge, showing more relationships among elements. In 1862, French geologist A.E.B. Duchamp-Courtois proposed a classification of the elements. He put a list of the elements on a cylinder ordered by atomic weight. The resulting curve allowed closely related elements to line up vertically. Duchamp-Courtois suggested that, quote, the properties of the elements are the properties of numbers, but his chart also contained ions and compounds. English chemist John Newlands also classified the elements in a table based on their physical properties around this time. Dmitry Mendeleev was a chemistry professor at the University of St. Petersburg. He also wrote chemistry textbooks. As he was writing the textbook, The Principles of Chemistry, he began comparing the properties of groups of elements. The patterns that he noticed led him to use the order of atomic weights to arrange the elements in groups. Mendeleev proposed the periodic law by which, quote, the elements arranged according to the magnitude of atomic weights show a periodic change of properties. On March 6, 1869, Mendeleev's periodic table was presented to the Russian Chemical Society. Elements in the table were arranged in periods or rows, as well as groups or columns. He described elements according to both atomic weight, also known as relative atomic mass, and valence, or the ability of an atom to combine or interact with another atom. Mendeleev even left space for elements that had not been discovered yet, saying that there were missing elements with atomic weights between 65 and 75. Just months after Mendeleev's periodic table was published, German chemist Lothar Maillard published a similar table, though Mendeleev receives much of the credit for its creation. In the 1870s and 1880s, elements that Mendeleev had predicted were discovered, namely gallium, scandium, and germanium. That gave more credence to his periodic table. Altogether, he predicted 10 elements, eight of which turned out to exist. Mendeleev was recognized for his work before he died in 1907. Today, there are 118 elements on the periodic table. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so at T-D-I-H-C podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Our email address is thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you again tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.